Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with all kinds of creative people to find out how to write better music. Today's episode features an electronic music maker, Anton Torres, who I met during my internship at Fantasy Flight. Turns out Anton's been doing electronic music for about two decades. So in this episode, we talk about the early days of Ableton Live and Logic, and Anton shows me his modular synth setup. He also shares some tips on pursuing a creative life, even if you only have 15 minutes to spare each day. 15 minutes is awesome. You don't need five hours. I started to carve out little moments of time every day. It's like water. If you can't drink your eight cups a day, does that mean you don't drink any water? No. Like, if you have a thimble, yeah, I'm going to drink a thimble because that's what I have today. Tomorrow, maybe I'll get more. Before we get into our talk, I have a quick Kickstarter update. After one week, the Composer Quest World Tour is already 50% funded, so thank you all. Because of your early pledges, Kickstarter declared it as a project we love. Very cool. If you haven't heard about this project yet, my grand plan is to take Composer Quest around the US, Australia, and Taiwan for the final season of the show. So visit composerquest.com kickstarter if you want to make a pledge. There are a lot of fun rewards there too, so hope you find something you like, and thanks for considering it. One more piece of news, we have a new Composer Quest quest coming up in the very next episode, so stay tuned. Alright, let's get on to my talk with Anton Torres. Well, Anton. Hello. Uh, thanks for coming here on Composer Quest. Hey man, my and pleasure. I should say, I'm in your home right now. The studio room. Yes. So, did I hear you write that you said you started on Ableton 1? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How did you even know about it when it was first? So, like, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my facts here. I can tell you the version of Logic was 1.7. And Ableton maybe was 2. What I remember is learning of this tool, this amazing tool that would take audio and just allow you to stretch it at will. Um, before that, there was no ability to manipulate audio in real time or n- even near real time. Everything was processed. You'd, you'd run some sort of a effect on a piece of audio and you'd wait until it rendered and then you had your audio and that was it. And there was no, uh, there's nothing else that you were going to do with it. So what did Ableton 1 look like? Was it... So, so again, if it's one or two, it, it didn't, it didn't, it, it looks very much like it looks now. It had the two views, right? This mm-hmm. this timeline and, uh, and the session view, but it was only audio. There wasn't automation. There wasn't any other sort of refinement that you see that the idea of having lots of plugins was not something that people were even considering at that point, but it was an environment where you could actually mix sounds in a way that didn't demand the front-loaded design. In in a lot of ways, it feels very uncluttered to me that they're not. Mm-hmm. There are no faux dials, right? There's no like yeah. rendered knobs anywhere. There's yeah. information. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like when I started on Ableton, yeah. I had the choice to try Logic or Ableton. Mm. Yeah, and Logic 
felt like GarageBand Pro. Okay. So I I really like GarageBand, but it's kind of like with Ableton. It it was the ugliest thing ever. I thought at first, sure. but then I realized like, <laughs> it's like oh tough love. yeah, it's just you know the simplicity and what I wanted to use with it was a Nintendo Wii Mote. Nice to do like control anything okay. just by moving it around. So nice. that was kind of my my reason to to get into it. And, and how, when did you come in? Was it a mm, few years ago? Like four, that was five years ago? Actually, almost ten years ago. Okay, I don't think about it. What do you remember? If back then, um, did did Live already incorporate MIDI as well? Yep, it did. I think okay. so. Yeah, I didn't actually. I don't know. I didn't use MIDI that much until like four or five years ago. Okay. For some reason, like I just was always in the mindset of live recording. Got it. So, yeah, did you use like when MIDI came out for live? What? That for me, that was a, that was a, awesome. I started with Logic, and Logic was strictly MIDI sequencer. At that time, I didn't understand MIDI. I didn't know. I didn't even know what I wanted to do, but. I, I knew what a keyboard was, what a, what a piano keyboard was, and I knew that I didn't want to play other people's music. Like, oh, play a song. As you know, people, oh, you yeah. play the piano. What can you play? What song? Can you play a song I can sing? I was like, no. When I sit at a piano, I tend to just make noise. Like, I like the act of listening. So all of a sudden, um, synthesizers came in the mix, and I thought, that's amazing. It doesn't sound like a piano. It could sound like trumpets or you know, bird mm-hmm. song or <laughs> wind or whatever. And Those log- beautiful trumpets. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, they're so bad. <laughs> or they have so much character, they right? They do. Like the marketing yeah. guy says. They have so much character. Um, but it was interesting, right? It was interesting to press familiar keys and get different sounds that, that have a different articulation, right? They, they have a different... The, the timbre and like starting to learn about envelopes and... And describing sound in these sort of standard abstract ways, right? Mm-hmm. So Logic was, but Logic was very technical. It was hyper-technical. Um, it had window upon window that you can open. You can make custom screen sets of tools. And they were all meant to give you access to MIDI, to MIDI data. And that was supposed to be the way that you arrived at, at sounds. And then Ableton Live shows up and says, okay. All you people out there listening to what's coming out of your speakers, we have a tool that'll just deal with that. You know, I grew up recording with a cassette recorder, so I I get it. Now someone said, oh, you have a digital cassette recorder in your Mac, and you could just throw stuff in there and change the pitch and just let them loop. That that was the promised land at the time. And then suddenly MIDI and sound together and, and using, using the paradigm that Ableton had mapped out, which is you've got these two views you can switch between. And then you've got panels that you can hide or show at will. You couldn't configure it. And, and that was actually a good. That was, that was, yeah. that was nice. You know? yeah. Well, you, you have all this fun stuff here. Um, how easy would it be to take a little tour of your studio and hear some sounds from your modular synth stuff. And yeah, pretty easy. I mean, it's all it's all connected to the speakers. Okay. Let's turn it on. I just want to make sure nothing, because it'll just start. <laughs> all right. You're right. Let's try this again. Let's turn that down. 
that Ooh. is this. So many blinking lights. <laughs> so modulars. Mod- I stayed away for years. And then I found Foxtone Music in downtown Minneapolis. I walked in and I said, okay, give me the intro. Like, just break it down. I'd been reading enough to have a basic sense. And then that was it. It was, uh, it's everything I've learned about synthesis, but in hardware form, which means the computer can stay off, right? Um, Even though we have great computer tools, there's, I'm really, I've enjoyed going back to just listening. So what the heck, we got a lot of stuff in here. Let me see, but there's a sequence playing. All right, so that's this, the braids. Single oscillator, but it's being triggered by a whole bunch of stuff. And there's a sequence playing on on this that is timed by the tempi over to the left. So let's see. Okay, so nothing is triggering. The, the, the tempi is awesome because you've got six trigger outputs and um, you have a, a, a method to set or alter the triggering at those outputs, and then you feed it into other things. And this, um, this is essentially a sequencer with 16 pads. Right, so. Right. So each pad corresponds to a dial. The dial, it will set the pitch. So, so. Oh, nice. It's currently quantized, so this... So, with modular, what is really fun after coming after... Using computers for 20 years, or however many years this has been, going back to uh, interface, right? Computers are great because interfaces can be whatever they need to be for the time. But, like I found with Logic and Live, there's a value to a fixed interface, right? 88 Mm -hmm. keys... um, Coming back around on the other side to sound synthesis and sequencing and realizing that people are playing with the idea of interface but in a tangible way is, is just amazing. So so you can uh, set up sequences and then all you need is, uh, uh, is a clock that will trigger it. Hmm. Then it's patch chords, which is fun. It's tangible, right? I mean, you're, this is now electricity. Uh, traveling out of this trigger input at a certain voltage, right? It's like plus or minus five volts, I believe, is standard for your rack. And if I plug it in to the to the X input, every time it triggers, um, it will step to the next point, depending on however this device is configured to progress through the, hmm. the 16 steps. And then you can change that. So let's see. If the clock is faster, right, it'll step through. If I change the position to the next row, now it'll cycle there. Um, you can have it cycle back and forth. Uh, so a pendulum. Right now you've got you've got that. But that's just on the x-axis. There's a clock at x-axis triggering um, the next step. If we take another clock 
Now I'm just going to start ripping out cables, which will cause other problems, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, we can go into the Y-axis, the Y-click. So at the frequency of the second trigger, which is uh, blue, which is down here, every time the, that triggers, it's going to it's going to step on the y-axis, and then the x will trigger. So like you get these ways of describing patterns, which to me is, is just super fun. If we change the frequency. So now we're changing the frequency when it steps away to the next uh, row. And then you could do, there's all kinds of crazy things using combinations of this. Um, so I'm going to stop this for a second. <laughs> this, this sounds like a classical piece that's just like, I mean, did you set that up beforehand with those notes in mind and as you're doing it? Um, no. Or this, it's this, just... So this is set up because this this persists. You can't save it, but when you have dials, the dials are still where you left them when you when you come back. Sure. So this is something that I don't know. I turn it on, dicking it around with it. Um, the beats change though. The, the trigger frequency has changed. So mm -hmm. so there's that. But now this is also feeding other elements. So we'll go over here. That's this. So, oh, different device. Different filter on it. Different synthesizer. Like. Okay. So, this does more like a resonant. It's not physical modeling, but it has. It sounds more like physical objects, like wood, glass. Um, and then you could do. You just change all sorts <laughs> of things, right? Yeah. Um, but there are three components. There's, the, there's, a, there's a, a bow sound there's the blowing across a like like as if a, fl a flute right um, that's pretty amazing and then striking a physical object and that object you can change um, is it an object that retains its tone or is it like a piece of wood that will will not give a, a pure tone and then all everything else you know then you could dial in all sorts of crazy sounds but it's the same sequence right it's being it's, it's going out to uh, a splitter, essentially, that, that will then send the same signal to multiple outputs. Um, which then... Right? It's so, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something else. It's, so, so that's the modular stuff. Um, there's only one, uh, two rings does... nice resonant um, it's very similar same same module designer but then sort of plucked strings and resonant strings uh, and then the braids at the top is is more tradi traditional synth it's digital and um, has all sorts of complex synth emulations with stuff uh, that I would need lots of modules to reproduce. Sure. So you're kind of saying that you think of yourself as not necessarily a performer, mm -hmm. but I guess kind of like more of a tinkerer, yeah. uh, experimenter, 
Yes. I like to listen. I like to learn. And I think that's the fundamental, for me, that's the practice of it is, is just learning. And this whole realm of, of sound, you never stop learning. I'm now at the point, and this is one reason why this is all here <laughs> in this state is for the past year, year and a half, I finally acknowledge that I do want to perform because I want to share, like I want to share and then I want to collaborate. Um, I've learned enough to be dangerous, right? I've learned enough mm -hmm. to have a sense of what's going on and how these might be used. And now I have to take it out of this room and right? I have to take it out of my studio or like, you know, the mad scientist cave and actually start to engage in the, the, the feedback loop that would happen whether you have an audience listening or you have someone else participating right in the creative process. That is, I, I guess, performance this is interesting. I never thought about this when I was younger and I played the piano. I was obliged to participate in the uh, school talent show, right? It was like all the, all the kids, we all, my mom's like, you're going to take part in this talent show, right? And that's what you do as a kid is you're put in situations that you didn't invent and you feel a certain way about them. So I was I, super stressful. Um, I didn't want to perform and I was dressed, you know, dressed up and I played uh, The Entertainer one year and Send in the Clowns the next year. Like, those are the two <laughs> nice. songs. Um but I basically was doing what I was, what it was, what was presented to me—not what I was told, but what I knew. I didn't know as a seven or an eight-year-old to take a stand and say, "But I want to do other things," you know. And until this very second, I didn't—I I think I didn't realize that. It, I think the word "perform" to me brings memories of that. Right? I don't want to sit up in front of an audience and then have people applaud at the end. Right? I want to be recognized. But I do want the feedback loop. And I think that's where I'm starting to get to is recognizing performance just means making that available to people that are not co-collaborating. Yeah. You're making me think back to a concert I went to in London that was like kind of a pivotal moment for me. Because hmm. I, I would just like look up all these free concerts when I was living in London and found this one that was like experimental music. And I went to it, and it was, like, four people all on their laptops. Uh-huh. One guy with a, like, contact mic that he had dangling over a speaker. Okay. And was doing this weird feedback thing. And that was just a really strange but really eye-opening experience that, like, hmm, people call this a performance. Hmm. But yet they're just, like, making these weird sounds, not even looking at the audience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not everyone likes that kind of a performance, but... It got me in that mindset, and then I, I wanted to like, do something like that. So nice, yeah. So, what was your re uh, relationship to music before that? Well, what did music mean if um, before that night? Well, I think I went the kind of traditional route, like learned piano, mm -hmm. then learned violin, okay, then was in a rock band, yeah, because that was the coolest thing to do. And then college came, and I realized like, hey, I could actually be a composer. So yeah, that's the nutshell version of it. But how about you? Like, I, I usually don't ask people about their life stories. Mm, yeah. Um, but just like the little bits I've heard from you makes me want to 
ask you about your life story. Sure. And how you ended up here. Here in, in Minnesota? Minnesota, really? yeah. <laughs> and working at, well, Fantasy Flight Games, Asmodee. Yeah, as, now, now, now as, Asmodee, Asmodee North America for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I moved to the Twin Cities in 1999. So how old was I? I was 28, 29, 28 or 29. So I'm 45 now, which is weird, because uh, I feel like I'm 28 or 29. <laughs> um, and I've, no, I know that that's what it's going to be like until I, the day before I die. I'm like, no, I'm 90. <laughs> um, so I'm born and raised in the East Coast, born and raised in Brooklyn, uh, in the same room for 20 years, right? Like I was raised in a room with my brother and my sister, in a room that probably wasn't much bigger than this, maybe a little bit, but... We grew up, and I grew up playing piano, right? The, the piano entered the house pretty early, and, and I just loved sound. I grew up with a little cassette recorder. I think in third grade, I was given, a, as a gift, a cassette recorder, and I would just walk around recording sounds. And then I'd listen to them by myself, right? Like, just listen to the sound of machines and, like, the street, right? So then I fast-forward and, and uh, went to college. After two years, got kicked out because... I don't like structured learning, right? I but I love to learn. I love to learn on my own. I've always done that. And so post college, I was working, right? Working in this in New York City, working in New Jersey, worked at a restaurant, and uh, finally ended up in a, in a in a in an office building on Park Ave, wearing a suit. It was the first and only job I've worn a suit every day. And at the end of two years, I realized that I was miserable. I don't know what I was, I, it's super stressful. I was having panic attacks. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the job, right? It's this horrible environment. And, and I think that was a point where I, I, I had learned enough, all my past experiences. I was like living by myself, but hating where I was. And it wasn't familiar. I grew up drawing and reading and like wandering and taking pictures and sitting at the piano when no one was home and just making noise, right? Like I just... Uh, and then recording, and and uh, that moment was was really clear. It's like I need to get out. Like I don't understand what I'm doing anymore, but I certainly don't want to be here, right? And the money was great, but it was I've never been kind of at, in a worse point. I was, I was miserable, so I dyed my hair um, because they wouldn't hire someone that was not, didn't fit the corporate mold as a, at an investment banking firm that was like verboten. And I was like, great, I'm done. Right. I'm done. <laughs> and I jumped on an Amtrak chain. Like two months went by and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no job. I'm subletting my sister's apartment. My sister worked on a fishing trawler in the Bering Sea. So she had this apartment. I was like, joy, that's awesome because I need a place to live. Right. <laughs> and I was just like bumming around. And I discovered that Amtrak had a pass. For 30 days, you could travel anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. Unlimited stops. You just have to end up where you uh, started. And I mapped a trip out. And, and, um, I, and then I met a woman on the train, <laughs> unexpectedly, that had the same itinerary for like three weeks of the four weeks. And I just like, I took that as a sign. I was like, this... This is a good thing, right? Like, obviously, uh, I need to do this. And her name is Kira. Um, she now lives on the West Coast. But Kira was on the train writing music for a homeschool theater company for kids. 
and she was writing the music and writing the lyrics. And that was the point where I was suddenly reintroduced to doing things creatively because there's tremendous pleasure in it. Right. And at the same time, we were wandering the U S by train, which is amazing. Um, at the end of the trip, I ended up, uh, I met her family in uh, New Mexico and we got along really well. They invited me into their hotel room for a couple of days, which I was like, you don't even know me. I'm like this <laughs> man from New York city. Like you don't know, but they were friendliest, really wonderful people that I had ever met. And after I, they returned to the twin cities, they were living in Egan at the time. And I got back to New York <clears throat> and after a couple of months of communication back and forth and some visits, I decided that I didn't need to die in New York, right? There was nothing there for me. And I like arrived here and immediately got involved with this homeschool theater company. And I was doing sound. I was doing sound effects for them. And I was also hanging out, living with the family where it was the mom and Kira that were two of the founders with another mom and, and her daughter. So it's like I was in the middle of this creative endeavor where there's no money in it. You know, they were just covering costs. But we did that for a few years and like that sort of reset, recalibrated me to like doing things that you really love. And like there's no reason for me to do otherwise, right? You just I gotta figure out how to live, but the rest of my time I need to do what I what I'm here to do. And at the time and maybe still now it's it's learn. I I, I love learning things. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is at that turning point where they they just like know they need to do something more creative with their lives or make that kind of a big life change? The big life change is, in my opinion, is something you can't predict. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And um, I'm, uh, it will be 17 years this fall. You know, I remember things back at home changed, like the, the Twin Towers fell a year after I moved here, a year and a half. Like events happen, life happens, and you can't, you can't predict. And had I been in New York, I could have been in New York. I, I was working on the island. That was, who knows, right? Like you just, and then in my 17 years, there have been some really dark times. I don't have family out here. Um, I had family that sort of made, helped me make that transition, these people that I met. Um, so for five years, there were folks. So what would I say to someone? Um, you don't have to leap off the cliff the day you recognize that you, you have this need. I think inevitably you will need to jump off the cliff, but the, the moment you see it, you don't have to reboot everything, but you can. If you chose to do it, you know what? You'd be fine. You probably would be just fine or you wouldn't. And then you would correct things and you, you'll figure it out because that's what you're doing day to day anyway. Right. The, the, that sense of continuity, right. Is so much of an illusion. You grow comfortable, but it's just as arbitrary as leaping off a cliff. So if you have a clear vision, like, you can jump or not. And, and if you choose not to jump, then I think you just got to start to connect, even if it's 15 minutes a day, and make those 15 minutes count. 
so a couple of years ago, I had all this gear. Like I have some gear that, that needs to be sold. Like I'm sort of refining. Like what, what what tools do I need? I don't need any of this, but there are things that I would like around because I enjoy it and I enjoy, I enjoy exploring it. Uh, and a year and a half ago, when I was like took this on, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to purge. I used to go through this binge purge cycle. I thought, oh, this is just a waste. I'm just I'm just fooling myself. And then I finally realized, no, this I enjoy this. I don't know where it leads, but I want to find out. So if I purge again, I'll never find out. It's guaranteed. Like I've stepped away. Oh, I'm not going to do anything with sound. It's been 20 years. Why am I doing this? Right. This is so useless. This time I chose to push through the resistance. I mean, I, I, I knew it. I could feel it creeping up on me. I was like, oh, I just, what are you doing? It's such a waste. And I think that's going back to being a kid, right? Like things that you're told or things that I think people told me, just lots of stories. But I started to carve out little moments of time every day. Even if it was 15 minutes, I'd sit down. I'm like, okay, I have 15 minutes before I have to go to the office. There's a knob, right? It's the timbre knob on the, you know, on the elements, which is a module in the rack. It's like, I'm just going to sort of come to understand it. I can't do it all. I can't compose a thing, but... I can just figure out this one knob or at least focus on it and explore it. And very quickly, this momentum built up where I recognized, okay, now I'm sort of like piecing together my understanding. It's sort of coalescing. And I think that is key for creative work, creative play, creative pursuits is 15 minutes is awesome. You don't need five hours, but you have to touch the stone, I think. And that is, is, maybe you don't need it, but if you were to do that, you will find momentum builds very quickly, yeah. in my opinion. Hmm. That's interesting, because that's like kind of the opposite way I, I approach it sometimes, is like, I feel like I need a large chunk. But that, There's, but that's a good... If you can, so if you can create it, I think that's the, the leaping off the cliff. Uh, let's say leaping off the cliff means I work Monday through Friday and I have a weekend. So for my weekend, for two days, I'm just going to not exist to the rest of the world and I'm just going to create. There are times I'll just dedicate hours at night, you know, when I have days off or when I'm on vacation and like, and I don't leave the apartment, right? Like I mean, I, I wake up and I'm like, get in here and I'm drinking coffee and making noise. And then suddenly it's late at night. And now I, turn the speakers off, I put headphones on, and you just get into a flow, and, and that's awesome. But for me, not having that doesn't mean I have to stop. Yeah. It's like water. You need water to live. If you can't drink your eight, what is it, eight cups a day, as someone said somewhere, said eight cups a day, but does that mean you don't drink any water? No. Like, if you have a thimble, yeah, I'm going to drink a thimble, because that's what I have today. Tomorrow, maybe I'll get more. And, and you just... That works. <laughs> that is a good tip. That is that's that's going in the uh, sound bites at the beginning of the episode. I think <laughs> nice. Um, so well, I guess we didn't continue the story of how you ended up at Asmo Day. Yeah, game company. So uh, so I moved here and and for five years I did a lot of work with the theater, this homeschool theater group, and. Had a lot of pickup jobs, so I, I was doing event marketing. So 
sampling of food out at, at, at events, like very liberal uh, hours. And I was living with the family for the first year, and then and Kira and I moved in together. We started dating, and I didn't have a, a very traditional job, and that was a, that was a great change, especially coming from a, wearing a suit every day where people talk about how expensive their ties are. Just sort of being in this really mellow town that was new to me, right? This, compared to New York City, man, yeah. this place is... <laughs> so laid back and 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 really uh there were parks everywhere there were like trees you know it was just really really great um and after a few years Kira and I went our separate ways and I was again at a point where I was living in a state where I didn't have family family was actually on both coasts and on uh Savannah Georgia so it was like as far away from the twin cities as could be and now I wasn't in a relationship, and I and I didn't have a traditional job, and I thought, well, what do I want to do? And I chose to stay, right? I was like, I like this. I'm going to see where this goes. I ended up working at Apple Retail early on in, in the Apple Retail side of things because I had grown up with computers. I'd grown up with Macs. And so I, I started working as a Mac genius. I'm like, this is great. This is, like, made for me. You know, it's we wear T-shirts to work, and everyone's all gung-ho, and... Two years later, I ended up leaving to go work for Audiophile Engineering. And unfortunately, that was in uh, 2008. And, and globally, the financial, there was this. Yeah, right when I graduated. Is that really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, so. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but I went off in the world to go somewhere else for okay. a while. So it's okay. All right. So, well. <laughs> Yeah, three months later, uh, they made a very tough call that in hindsight was just awesome. Uh, and they, they laid me off. And so suddenly I was groundless, right? And I, I remember just thinking, well, what the heck do I do now? Emotionally, I was just a wreck at this point. I was, I was following my dreams and I was like, dash to the ground, you know? Now I'm out of work and financial markets are terrible. So like everyone's, everyone's scared. Um, I sold all my Apple stock, which in hindsight was a horrible thing to do. It was like, I'm going to lose all the money. And so I sold it. You know, so it's like, okay, I'm running out of money. I have nothing left. Um, so I'm going to just ignore the fire and I'm going to go play games because that was fun. <laughs> and so I started playing games again as, as a way to pass the time. And then I got onto the Fantasy, Fantasy Flight website because, you know, just checking up on things. And lo and behold, there was a position that opened for marketing writer. And I thought, wow, that sounds like that would be a really cool job. But, you know, who knows where that is? And I looked and it was in Roseville. And I thought, I know where Roseville is. And I looked at the address. And I'm like, that is down the block from the mall, the Rosedale Mall. Uh, so I wrote uh, <laughs> what in hindsight was a very unconventional cover letter that caused me to get a callback right after I sent it. And I got an interview the next day, and lo and behold, I had a job. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go all in. And I moved to this building where, where we're sitting now. And here I am uh, seven years in October at a job where I've gone from marketing writer to marketing manager to international marketing manager and now executive projects manager. So I'm no longer in marketing. I work for the CEO. And so now, like, here I am in a career I didn't expect to have, in a part of the country, in a part of the world I never expected to visit, working a job two miles away, right, at a, at a company that designs, publishes, and distributes tabletop board games, yeah. right? And so I'm like, that's pretty cool. That, that works. Yeah. 
And it gives me the headspace. I mean, I could make more money in other industries for sure, but my heart is clean. I mean, we work hard. There's a lot of intensity there. But when I leave at the end of the day, I could like sort of just be in my life and, and enjoy living in the Twin Cities and like bike riding and like playing tennis and making sounds. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good here. Yeah. This is a nice surprise. I never would have thought that I would be in a sort of a peaceful place day in and day out because that's, I'm very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I also liked that you, at Fantasy Flight, you got a, a piece of art um, designed for you. After yeah. how many years did they do that? At, at five years. Five years? Yep. At five years, you can get your portrait into some piece of game art. So Yeah. And you're kind of... I, I remember seeing that up on the screens uh-huh. when I was interning there. <laughs> like, yeah. that looks really familiar. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. kind of like a wizard character, right? In um, that? Or it's, scientist it's sort of? Kind of mad scientist and uh and there's a name like i was i was just asked if i had a name in mind and and that was awesome uh-huh. and then if i had any backstory so and, and I, I said yes i do i had a little bit of i was thinking about like who, who who is this guy and at the end of a busy day at the university he sort of rushes home his family doesn't even know what he's doing but he's out in the back shed doing something something crazy and in my mind i mean to be honest it was this you know, it's like what I do in this room with, I, I try to explain to people what I do, but I, some people totally get it and other people are like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And, or they lots see of, it and they're like, oh. Lots of knobs and shiny things. And they yeah, probably, blinking lights. Yep. And, and then if ever sound comes out of the speakers, they're like, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was, that was the cause for that uh, mm-hmm. portrait is just. You know, I think it's for the good of the world, but I don't know exactly how yet. But I'm going to go every day. I'll be back there. Just don't bother me, right? Like, yeah. I'm like sort of crazed. My tie is like it's great. Know, pulled down. So. now learning the idea of composition i used to dj again not for people but for myself i had a dj setup and there was intention right you would build the the sort of swells of a piece even though it's djing but when i have a blank slate i get stuck i haven't learned yet how to approach it in that way when i have no boundaries when i have no deadlines yeah so I often don't record. Um, there is one thing um, where I was using a program called Medicinth. It's an odd doc. It's really unique and really fascinating. But um, the people that were all beta testing, it was a small group of 12 or 14. And someone someday sa- uh, said, look, we just fix bugs and, and share recipes for recreating bugs. But we all use this in creative ways. Let's, let's make a project. We're going to do the planets. Everyone choose a planet and then compose a piece. 
right? You, you, you have to use medicine. And, but there was a, a, a piece called Saturn that, that, was, that was mine. And I love listening to it. I despise listening to it. Like there are things that would change, but there was a deadline, right? And that, that sense of concrete urgency that unless you submitted your piece by date X, it would not be included. Now I'm trying to learn on my own, like, how is it that you develop ideas into, how do you, how do you compose? How do you, arrangement, arrangement and composition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, f- I feel like I, when I do experimental electronic stuff, mm-hmm. that's sometimes the hardest to try to structure because yeah. when you get excited about like this one thing and like repeat the idea and I'm sure it's especially hard when you're working with like modular stuff that will just keep going and you, you just tweak a little bit and then changes a little bit. But yeah, figuring out how to make that like a meaningful arc is the, yeah, the I'm still working on that. <laughs> I think the meaning part is, is the invention. Um, as a listener, as someone who listens to things, there are times where Straight up techno is awesome. Like there's a body, like sensory reaction that I have. I love it. That's not really what I want to do. There are times where I find myself in this corner where it's just very metronomic. And I'm just, I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's, but that's not all that interesting. I don't, I don't want to go perform a dance night. But then I think, well, well maybe I, I do for part of it. And I get stuck. Like, I don't, I don't know how to guide the sounds in my head. Like, I've got all sorts of sounds in my head. I hear tons. I don't know how to capture them. I don't know notation. So when it's melodic, I don't know how to capture them. And so it's funny. I, if, I feel like if I went down a more traditional path of learning, even now, I might be able to progress further. Or I might end up learning more than what I want to learn and forgetting the exploration and discovery off the beaten path. And so like, I don't listen to a ton of music day to day. I don't own a television, so there's not a lot of that. Danielle introduces me to tons of music and that's great because that's, I have no expectations. So it's just, I'm sort of swimming in this sea of new sound. Um, If I choose things, I usually go back. I mean, it's pretty fixed set and I'm usually listening to try and understand how, like if it's, if it's electronic, it's trying to understand how they accomplished what I believe I'm hearing. Yeah. That makes sense. Like trying to reverse mm-hmm. engineer or like, why is that? Why does that get me so excited? Like how, how did that, what are they doing? Like, and I'm imagining from this perspective with a sequencer or DAWs or like this kind of gear, like how would you make that? So, yeah, no, I, I feel like in some ways I've gone, so far down the path of composing and, and um, stuff like that, that maybe there is like some of that magic that's lost for me that I used to mm. really enjoy, like the tinkering part of it. Um, and honestly, that's actually why I started the internship at Fantasy Flight because I was like, I need another kind of creative outlet where I'm learning the the beginning stages of things and like trying to figure it out. So nice. 
yeah, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at with the game design side of it, and it's still like super interesting and exciting. F- figuring out the learning of that. Oh, that's excellent. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't have considered, but like kudos. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? I mean, you didn't. I, I think it all feeds, right? I mean, mm-hmm. learning anything or being exposed to, to new input, it opens you up. Um, yeah. Even if you don't understand it or it doesn't. It doesn't enter the equation until later that you recognize, oh, this is the influence or yeah. there's still a lot of great benefits, right? If you're, you're stuck in what you know, you will never know more. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just interviewed Daniel Levitin. Um, okay. Music psychologist and very interesting guy. And he was talking about how when you're creating, you can't necessarily think your way through the problems. Okay. You have to let your mind wander, daydream, and call on these other random parts of your psyche that, or things you've learned from other mediums, maybe. Sure. To, to figure those creative problems out, too. But, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think the modular has been fun for that reason. They're just a bunch of sockets. And putting things in places where you don't think they should go is is a really fun game mm-hmm. and then trying to tame it because it will do things that are unpredictable so i think in the world of synths digital synths are great but again i'm not looking for a particular sound and so um it was a few weeks ago danielle danielle and i will share this room uh like she'll be reading or she'll be painting in the living room and i'm making sounds and i've never been in a position in my life where I could just create the stuff that I do and not think about what the other person feels. Hmm. So it, it, like at, at first, it was like nine, almost 10 months ago. At first there was like, it, it almost made me sick to my stomach that the tension. Uh, and I was like, wow, that is an old excuse that I have carried. So every relationship I've ever been in or like going back home I keep it tucked in and buried. I don't share it because I don't want I don't want to be told it's bad or I don't want to disappoint people or whatever. So this has actually been a remarkable change of sort of mindset where I could just do it. I could do what I do and I'm learning to just let it be what it is and well every episode I ask the guest to contribute some sort of intro music for the episode okay (laughs) um so as long as we're talking about this modular synth stuff maybe uh maybe you could just play around with it for a little bit and um something that uh makes you think of composer quest or somehow (laughs) i don't know you can just do what you want oh that's great no 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 I, i could do that okay all right cool so usually I would I would unplug everything and just start clean, but let's not do that.
You good with that? Yeah. All right. Go for it. Because like reverse engineering madness. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I don't know where things are going. And that's half the that's half the fun. I suppose you don't normally get put on the spot to. No, but do a, a thing on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. Let's see. So how did it feel um, <laughs> being knowing that you're being recorded uh-huh. with someone looking over your shoulder versus like when you're on your own? It's funny because at first I was aware, then I wasn't. And and actually I I could have done that for an hour or two and it would have been different like by the by the time it was all finished. But what was interesting is I realized, well, there's all sorts of stuff I might want to do. But I don't have two hours. <laughs> so there's like a point where I thought, you re- this is it. This is the point. And like, you got to like, it's got to end. It's got to end somehow. So like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, I. so that was interesting. That's, yeah. That's the same feeling I had. Um, so I was in an experimental trio in college and we would do like weird music like that. And the mood of us making music changed so much when it was just the three of us in a room yeah. to then we decided to play a show at the pub on campus. Okay. <laughs> it's like, well, wow, now we both have to entertain and we have to, like, rein ourselves in if we... Or, yeah. like, up the... Up our game a lot. Sure. And it, I don't... I think that was probably our worst playing because of that. that sure. second layer. But... Yeah. I, I'd, uh, I will tell you that I appreciate the opportunity because while it's one thing to have like your partner day to day, like sitting in the room or working in the house or whatever that I've grown to be comfortable with that. But, um, I haven't attempted anything with anybody else in, you know, just sort of in, in the space. 
So yeah, so that was yeah. fun. So thanks for even yeah pr- for sure proposing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I have one last question for you. Sure. So on the podcast, we have a question chain going from guest to guest. Okay. So my last guest, Dan Levitin, had a question for you. Name a song written by someone else that you wish you had written. It needs to be a song that's more or less in your wheelhouse. So something stylistically you might have been capable of doing. Wow. That, that's a tough question. I don't know. Well, no, that's a great question. Um, so song, there's a track by The Orb on a, uh, an album called Palm Fritz. Hmm. Uh, P-O-M-M-E-F-R-I-T-Z. And it's the first track. And it's, it's very cyclical and um, sort of like, a, like watching a kaleidoscope, like listening to a kaleidoscope. Cool. So your question for the next guest? What? If you had a choice to compose your next piece outside... Uh, in what environment would you choose? It could be anywhere on the planet. What environment would you choose, and how do you think that would influence what you create? Ooh, that's great. I like it. <laughs> All right, well, Anton, thanks so much for the chat and uh, showing me your studio and stuff. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for coming down. Yeah. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Anton Torres. To hear more of Anton's music, visit soundcloud.com slash ritual audio. And if you want to see a video of Anton working on his Composer Quest theme, visit composerquest.com slash Anton. You can always get in touch with me by emailing me, charlie at composerquest.com, or find Composer Quest on Facebook or Twitter. I'll leave you now with a little audio experiment Anton did for a Coursera course on Ableton Live. You gotta check this out, man. Come on. It's over here. Oh. Over here. Over here. No, I no, look, look, wait, 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 look. No, look down. What? Up. Oh. Between the boxes. Oh, that's pretty cool. What is that? Yeah, check this out. Alright. What? What's that doing back, back here? Right, hang, they, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is it, do they like model this or something? What is this? No. Are you ready? So just, just watch for a second. Okay. Just watch what it does, right? I, I don't know. Um, I thought it was made of paper mache, but here's the thing. Well, right. it, it looks like a silicate of some sort. Okay, listen. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, one more time. Whoa.